the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hour 2 it is... Open Line Friday. We'll take your call on any subject, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to Pastor Scott at kkla.com, Pastor Scott at kkla.com. And I uh, see your calls up on the screen. We'll get to your calls here in just a few moments. One of the things I think we should mention today is the passing of Pastor Tim Keller. Tim Keller was the pastor of uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, uh, church he planted in 1989, and he is probably one of the most influential pastors. If you didn't know who he was, your pastor probably knows who he is, and uh, probably one of the most influential pastors in the United States in the last uh, 20, uh, 20 years or so. This is Pastor Tim Keller. And that's the reason why, in the end, by the way, many people, if you read the Gospels, one of the main reasons that people uh, come to believe in Jesus Christ is they... Um, they read the Gospels and they see Jesus. They see his claims. They see his humility. They see uh, his grace. They see his courage. And you read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you're amazed at this. And some years ago, there was a, um, uh, a pastor I knew who was confronted by a non-believer who said, I would believe in, in God if you can give me a watertight argument. And the guy said, the, the, the minister said, read the New Testament. And uh, he said, you mean there's a watertight argument there? He says, well, not exactly. There's Jesus Christ. And he says, you know, what if God didn't give us a watertight argument to lead us to himself? What if he gave us a watertight person against whom in the end there is no argument? Read him and you'll see there's almost no way to account for the beauty of this, of this person unless maybe he is who he said he is. Tim Keller had a way, a very calm way, you know, of sharing the gospel. And I think one of the things about his ministry, and maybe you were affected by it, you can give me a call, 888-528-2557, You know, he had a way of just laying stuff out there and making an argument, particularly uh, one that a younger generation followed. He was 72 years old when he passed, passed from pancreatic cancer. He's been suffering for that for the last uh, three years. Uh, I think it's about three years. And, you know, what's interesting, and I, I went to the, the New York Times. He planted a, an evangelical Presbyterian church in uh, Manhattan, in New York. Uh, this is an area that, you know, I, a lot of churches, frankly, gave up on. That, frankly, and we have that in some parts of uh, California, right, or who's there's a few people who are planning churches in San Francisco, but not many. Um, and, and there's a few great ones up there, so not belittling, 
anybody that you know. I know there's some up there, but it's hard ministry. It's difficult. And, you know, when you go to a a neighborhood or a community that is well-churched, that is maybe, you know, demographically full of people who very likely grew up in the church somewhere in the country, you know, sometimes doing church there is a little easier because you're going to get people to come and they have the basic idea of what salvation is and what who Jesus is. But when you go to places where I, I call them uh, neighborhoods that are not Jesus friendly, meaning people who have the wrong idea about Jesus or they've had significant hurt in the church for various things and or they just have felt like I'm going to give up on God. I said a prayer and he didn't answer it. And so I'm just not going to follow the Lord with it. Uh, those are hard neighborhoods, you know, or neighborhoods that are, you know, distinctly other faiths or very secular, which is what you find in New York City in a lot of ways. Well, an interesting thing that he did, and I, I went to the New York Times, because I thought, well, what in the world do they say about him? Because they don't get Christianity very well. If you remember a few years ago, the editor-in-chief of the New York Times actually said, we don't really understand at the New York Times religious people. And he was referring to how badly their reporting was on religious points of view in the 2016 election and also religious points of view around the world in areas of terrorism and other stuff. And I thought, how do you not understand religious people when there is so much impacting stuff around the world on various religions? You And how do you be that newspaper? It's because they don't they only hire people around that newspaper who are in the bubble, the same bubble they're in. That's a big problem we have in the news and other places. And it can be a problem with church people is we only hang around other church people. Pastor friend of mine, you know, he likes to say, hey, if you make a list of the people that you hang out with and they're all Christian, you need to stop hanging out with a couple of those people and go find some non-Christians to get to know. Because who are you going to share the faith with? Who is it that you're going to impact for the gospel of Christ if you don't even know anybody who's uh, part of the gospel of Christ or outside of the gospel of Christ? It's, a, it's an interesting point, right? Because uh, it's why sometimes new believers in church are the best evangelists, because you just got saved, you just accepted Christ, and everybody else in your life probably are not believers And they're saying, what's up with you? Why are you going to church? What happened to you? Why are you not coming to the bar with us anymore? Why are you not doing this with us anymore? And you have to say, because I was blind and now I see. And they might have deep theological questions for you, and you don't have the answer because you're a new believer. But you can say, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's so powerful. And one of the things that Tim Keller was able to do was go into a neighborhood that's very secular in a part of our country that is very secular, very post-Christian, and do something remarkable, plant a church that had tremendous growth and not only led, brought a lot of people to Christ, but also led to church planting movements around the country, particularly in the cities, particularly in urban areas, particularly in areas where everybody's leaving. I find it interesting that the New York Times says the Reverend, this is their headline, the Reverend Timothy Keller, pioneering Manhattan evangelist, dies at 72. Um, Most websites are going to say Pastor Tim Keller, but when you're kind of coming from the standpoint of old high church, every pastor is, if you're ordained, you're reverend, right? I never liked that title. When I first started in San Diego, they wanted to put reverend and spell out the word Reverend Scott Furrow across the big sign outside. 
And uh, I said, no, I don't want that up there. I really don't want my name on the sign anyway. I would just, you know, it has to be there because kind of advertising, who's the pastor there? Oh, I know that guy. Um, but I said, make it small. Make sure the service times are big so people know what time we get started. Um, you know, make sure the phone number is big. The website is big. But in, uh, in maybe in many of your traditions, you know, reverend is, is a term that has great meaning and is used in lots of churches. But I find it interesting that that's the New York Times, the Reverend Timothy Keller. He is Dr. Keller. I'm surprised I didn't put that in there. Um, pioneering Manhattan Evangelist. It's a very old-sounding headline. But this is the subtitle. They put, Shunning Fire and Brimstone, he became a best-selling author and founded Redeemer Presbyterian Church with Drew Young New Yorkers. Um, shunning fire and brimstone. He's a, he doesn't scream and yell in his preaching, uh, but don't let that make you think that he doesn't believe uh, in hell. You know, you can Google him. He wrote an article called The Importance of Hell, and he very clearly understands what that is. And, you know, he's number one, it's important because Jesus taught about it more than all the other biblical authors put together, which is true. And he writes, it's important because it shows how infinitely dependent we are on God for everything. Uh, it's important because it unveils the seriousness and danger of living life for yourself. And he, it's a very lengthy article. The doctrine of hell is important because it's the only way to know how much Jesus loved us and how much he did for us. He gets into a lot of the meat about a hell, which is an uncomfortable topic. And he does approach it in a way that's not fire and brimstone, but that's very methodical. That says, hey, you know what, this isn't something that is too hard for people to understand if we think about it. You know, if we put this in the context of why there is uh, a hell, uh, this is why. And this is what it helps us understand about God. And he could do that with just about any topic. He could do that with um, with justice issues. He could do that with race. He could do that with biblical topics. And he was a, a preacher who would preach through books exegetically in a way that draw, drew out some just great truths in a way that I think is hard for most of us to do. Um, he was very intellectual. He he wasn't maybe the best like conference speaker because I don't think it was the most exciting speaker. And that's one of the interesting things about it is he would come out and he would you know wear you know a sport jacket and and uh, you know sort of be um, I don't know very professorial uh, in his approach and how he spoke. And that's kind of against the the grain today uh, of a lot of uh, preaching, particularly in churches that grow really big. And yet that church grew. It grew full of people who weren't believers. It grew full of people who were skeptics. It grew full of people who were young, people coming from the, the far left of New York. Okay, this is not a conservative city, New York City. And yet that church grew and grew and grew. And a big part of it is because he was able to focus on the gospel, he was able to stay focused on the gospel and the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ and to spell it out in ways that are often lost. You know, sometimes our, our view of God is because of our view of the church or a church building or a place that we grew up, a place that we went. And sometimes that can be really positive. It can be really negative, but can also be wrong kind of from any perspective because, you know, the, the difference in Christianity versus any other faith or philosophy is that we're not saved because we go to church and we're not saved because we are a good person. We are saved because Jesus died for our sins because we're not good people. We're saved because nobody is a good person and everybody falls short of the glory of God. And as good as a person that you think you are, you can compare yourself to other people and you might be a better person than that other guy down there. But the fact is you still fall short 
Jesus doesn't. And he focused on the central message of the gospel that should be a part of everything that we're doing. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get pulled aside, and there's so many things here that take away our our time. He was a a pastor who emphasized the transformative power of the gospel and in our lives, its implications for not just our eternity, but also how we should live and engage with the world. And it was very much about engaging with the world, but doing it in a way that is full of grace and faith and repentance, forgiveness and love, and the significance of Christ's work on the cross and how much that meant. Um, if you get a chance, you know, maybe later today, a lot of his sermons are online. They're on YouTube and there you can download them from different places, you know, and, and listen to his teaching through books of the Bible. Like I said, he's an exegetical teacher and he's one of those guys who will bring something out of a text that maybe you haven't thought of before. Um, and he, because of that, he's influenced people all around the world. I know some of you listening are in, in church plants, uh, that are connected to the city-to-city ministry or other ones that he started that in particular are starting churches in cities and in urban neighborhoods and uh, across every cultural boundary because that's what the gospel does. That's what the gospel calls us to do. And anyway, you know, he has had such a great attitude about suffering and death even his last couple of years as he's dying of cancer, having a positive attitude. And yesterday, when they decided to put him in hospice care, uh, he said, I am so happy that I get to go meet Jesus. I'm done. I'm ready to go meet the Lord. And he did in just a few hours. Um, So Tim Keller passed away, 72 years old, great ministry. Have you been affected by his ministry? You can call us and tell us about it, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. All right, it's Friday. That means it's Open Line Friday. And we'll take your calls on any subject, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. All right, let's go to Mike in Northridge. Mike, thanks for holding on. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Mike, still with us? All right, Mike, sounds like you're there, but there's nobody yeah, there. Yes, so, uh, yes, oh, there you are. Oh, all right. Hi, Mike. Just yeah, about to... I had you... Go ahead. Yeah, I had you on mute. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, you know, we all got used to that with the whole Zoom era, right? Everybody's on mute. You can hardly have a conversation with people, so no problem. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank you for uh, taking the call here, and I, I just want to thank you again for basically you focusing on the fundamentals, and then you talking about the Pastor Keller there. Basically, you focus on the fundamentals, and I know, like, for you, you speak a lot about Proverbs, yeah. And uh, you spoke you spoke earlier uh, this week about, you know, what can we do for, you know, <laughs> the young kids in our life, right? Yeah. Whether they're our sons or daughters or nieces or nephews, what can we do? And I think for me and for our society as well is we need to get back to Proverbs. It, it's fundamental. Yeah. And it, right off the bat, when you look at just chapter two in, in, uh, in chapter one, excuse me, verse two, it says, the purpose of these Proverbs is what? To teach people wisdom and discipline so that we could do what? What is right, just, and fair. That's right. And, and you see exactly what's happening today. We do not have that. And, you know, we talk about, you talked about the Durham report. But that's been on, you know, the big airways today, right? You talk about <laughs> the Washington Post, what, what they, they did today. Um, we're talking about the abortion thing. 
that you know the pill that you you spoke about earlier today a, a lot of those things are because we've you know gotten away from the fundamentals and and i look at that as yeah you know what um with the durham report we see that basically we as a, a people citizens of this country we were bamboozled we were, we were told a lie and so when we think about all that who is the father of lies it, it, it's satan right yeah. and and we need to we need to make sure that okay fool me once shame on you right fool me twice shame on me I, and i think right now we're probably in a point now where we're saying shame on me several times over and over again and so what can we do as a people to learn about that well it's getting back to the fundamentals and that's getting back into the bible and recognize we got to embrace truth and not embrace the lies and just thinking things as they are face value because you know what the devil's been lying for quite a long time he's very well versed mm-hmm. at it <laughs> and, yeah. and, and we are we were not even neophytes right and right. so it's <laughs> and so along with that you know um we got to say what are the things that we can do right now to prevent that from happening again we got to look ahead we can't be looking back we got to look ahead and and that being said mm-hmm. let's not drive let's not drive looking at the rearview mirrors or the side mirrors we got to look at the windshield you know why the windshield is very large right and if you drive by the by the rearview mirrors i'm telling you what's going to happen you're going to crash you're going to crash into something <laughs> you <know>? yeah <laughs> that's right you're going to crash and even looking at the hood ornament you're going to crash you got to look ahead and and, and, you know, like I like saying is that we got to keep our eyes on the horizon. Yeah. And the eyes on the horizon is Jesus Christ. That's okay? right. Micah. You know, and, and right now, and right now, we are about to celebrate, okay, Ascension Sunday. And the following that is Pentecost Sunday. That's something that we need to herald. You know, we, we, we celebrate Easter, but we need to celebrate those fundamental events. Because you know what? Especially with Ascension Sunday, the two angels that were there with the disciples, they said, what? You saw him go on up. Why are you keeping on looking there? Because guess what? He's going to return in the same manner that he did just now. And guess what? We don't know, but it'll be a letter J. And so, you know, we got to be ready for, we got to be ready for the suddenly. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hey, Mike, so thank you. Mike, I need to go on to, uh, we're about to have a break here pretty soon, but I appreciate where you're coming sure. from with all of this. And, uh, you know, you're right, looking through the, uh, you know, the interesting thing about Proverbs and, and getting to what he's saying and even bringing in, okay, so we see the fact that the, the government has had some corruption. You know, in our history, even in this country, uh, the government sometimes has lied to us, right? We've got lies that have gone back from law enforcement or from the federal government. Different it, In our history, there have been different times. In world history, you know what happens is government lies to you. Uh, that's that's something that happens. People in authority will do that, particularly for political gain or financial gain. One of the reasons to go back to Proverbs is Proverbs is about wisdom. Like, how do you navigate a world where your leaders at some point may not be trustworthy? You know, and Proverbs begins this way, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right there, and as Proverbs begins, you have this rich statement about what the book is about and what you gain if you read it. I've preached this book multiple times, and I've had to do it differently because generations change. Um, But whatever the case is, one of the things I'll always say is that, you know what, if you're an atheist, you need to read Proverbs. Your life will get better. It doesn't make you a Christian. It won't make you uh, a person who uh, follows Judaism because it's a Jewish book just because you read it. But if you read it and you obey those Proverbs and you gain some wisdom, you're going to gain some understanding of how this world works. Your marriage will get better. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better worker in your job. You will you will personally, emotionally deal with injustice and unfairness and bad weather uh, and death that happens a whole lot better because you read this book. And then the next thing you need to understand is, hey, this book, it is the written so that we can navigate life. It's very realistic about what's coming on in life. And you won't be surprised by corruption in government. You won't be surprised when people sin against you. You won't be surprised by the consequences of your own sin. You won't be surprised to learn that sometimes there's things that you believe that turn out not to be true. You won't be surprised by disasters. Instead, you will be able to understand how to navigate those things in your life and ultimately how to trust the Lord, to trust the Lord to take you on the path of understanding. I got to take a break. When we come back, uh, I'll share with you a couple of different ways I've taught Proverbs because I think it's uh, it's interesting. Plus, we have the absurdity of the week and more, and it's Open Line Friday. We'll take your calls on any subject. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. As the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues, stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. When God speaks, it happens. God's word is a power. It's not like God's word is not like our word. We say something, but then we have to do it. God's word is his active power. And when you hear God speaking to you in his word, when you study his word, when you hear his voice to you in his word, that is his power coming into your life. That is his reality coming into your life. If you want to make sure your prayer life is meaningful, you need to be deep into the word of God. When you study the word of God, God is speaking to you, and then you respond in prayer. That was Pastor Tim Keller, passed away today, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian in New York although his organization has planted churches right here in Los Angeles and all around the country. We've been uh, reflecting on different things, but it is Open Line Friday, so we'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. 888 You know, there Keller is talking about the power of the Word of God. And right before the break, we were talking about Proverbs. One of our callers talked about Proverbs and how we need to get back to that. And it got me thinking, you know, one of the things we have to realize, too, with our teaching and sharing the gospel is times change. And I tell you that because I've taught through Proverbs a lot, and I've had to change the the title of how I present it. Um, I used to, at one point, I was presenting it as success, right? And that was something that worked really well. Uh, I was a young pastor, right? But I, I taught young adult groups and uh, career ministries and success 
you know, kind of worked. People were pursuing careers, even as young people, and were ambitious, and had that was kind of the the thought with a lot of people. And then I changed it to something about uh, that was really meant to have fun with it. And I would go to college campuses right about that same time when I would do it at college campuses or college groups at churches. I called the series of Proverbs 50 Reasons Why People Don't Like You. That was the name of it, 50 Reasons Why People Don't Like You. And you know what? People laughed and we had a great time. And I could come out there and just, you know, the way Proverbs works is the first few chapters of it are instruction about wisdom and what wisdom is and why you need to have wisdom. And then the rest of the book are these just little pithy statements about wisdom. You know, um, you know, look to the ant and consider their ways. It's part of success is that the ants work hard. And, you know, there's messages through all of these little statements in Proverbs um, that are generally true, meaning that I say generally, they're definitely true, but Proverbs does something interesting. It will take passages that say, if you work hard, you will be successful, but if you're lazy, you will not be successful. And, you know, generally that's something that we experience. That should be obvious to everybody. But later it'll also deal with the fact that sometimes you work hard and there's an injustice and you're not successful. That's, That's an experience that lots of people have. Or sometimes you will be lazy and something will land in your lap. You'll win the lottery or you'll have an inheritance or, you know, something that then to people who are watching say, well, that's not fair. It's unjust. That person didn't work hard and they have this windfall or that person works really hard and they're not gaining success. That happens in life. But most of the time, if we work hard, we're going to be successful. If we're lazy, we're not going to be successful. And there's all kinds of topics. So I can say, are you lazy? Are you somebody who is a liar? There's a lot in there about telling the truth. Are you someone who's a fool? And we talk about being a fool, a lot in Proverbs about being a fool. And those would be the 50 reasons. So I came up with 50 different things that you could be. um, And it was a lot of fun. You know, one of them was, are you too sensitive? Meaning that you get offended really easily. Well, and people would laugh and there's Proverbs about that. But the interesting thing is somewhere in the mid 2000s, the popular 50 reasons why people don't like you, that became very unpopular. And the last time I did it, I spoke at a university and to a Christian group in a university, a big group, and they did not respond well at all. You know, what do you mean uh, I'm too insensitive? What do you mean if I tell lies, people will like, what do you mean if I gossip that I might lose friends? Well, what do you mean if I'm lazy? You know, what do I mean? And the and this was a Christian group of people, right? The culture had changed and we're seeing that in our world today, right? We see the a world today that is so against anything that might be hard. We're against um, any anything that might offend you makes somebody else bad, right? Or anything that offends me, then the other person must be bad, even if I'm the one doing the offensive thing. Suddenly, I'm the one who's offensive, but everybody else is actually the sinner because uh, I should be able to do whatever I want. And that attitude kind of in, infects everything in a culture. And eventually, I just had to change it to Proverbs. We're teaching through Proverbs and try to focus on the wisdom and things, but it took the fun out of it. Um, It didn't really take the fun out of the message. I have to do the hard work of making the message fit the audience that exists. But you see through time, something about the Scripture is that it is powerful. And as teachers or even just in your life, you have to realize that something that might have worked, you know, a evangelism technique or a way of presenting the gospel that worked a few years ago may not work with the next generation. They may not receive it the same way. Uh, They... 
it's just something that happens. And you can blame the people or you can just change the tactic and trust that God's word is really going to work if God's word is presented. And whatever creativity I might have put into it with 50 reasons why people don't like you or, you know, whatever I called it, success or things like that, you know, it became I couldn't teach it as success anymore because people were too afraid of not being successful. That there was this it was just an interesting thing that uh, we have seen in our culture today. That is, uh, I think it's super good advice, though, to go through the, the, the scriptures, go through Proverbs uh, in fact, you know, uh, June's coming up. I always I like to do Proverbs with people when there's 31 days in the month because there's 31 chapters of Proverbs. Uh, July, maybe you make it a plan to do it in July. Read a chapter every day. By the end of July, it'll change your life. It really will. It'll affect your marriage in a positive way. It'll affect your relationship with your kids. It'll teach you how to take care of your pets. I mean, there's so much advice in there uh, about how to live life and so much about how to do things well. I think you will benefit from that. And that's the power of scripture. That's something that Tim Keller was very good at communicating and it works really well. And it'll also remind you that, you know, the culture changes and everything is uh, different. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It's open line Friday. Anything you'd like to talk about, give me a call, 888-528-2557. We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. You know, in thinking of cultural change, we have uh, a lot of politics happening, right? Presidential election coming up. Uh, Senator Tim Scott uh, announced uh, – he didn't announce. He filed paperwork today. So somebody leaked, I guess, that he he, he uh, filed the paperwork. I think that he will uh, give some announcement on Monday or Tuesday. You know, and I've thought about some things with Tim Scott. I've met Tim Scott. I've talked with him. Um, I've read his book, and he put out uh, a book uh, about a year ago. That's what people do when they're running for president. You know, that was the uh, indication, oh, he's probably running for president. And, you know, his book is called America, A Redemption Story, uh, Choosing Hope and Creating Unity. Whatever your politics are, whoever you think you might vote for, uh, read that book. I highly recommend this book. It is so positive. It is so incredibly positive. His story in America is definitely one of redemption, spiritual redemption. He's a believer, loves Jesus. He works hard. He shares his faith with people in the United States Senate. In fact, I saw him at a conference one time, and he talked about the Bible study that he holds in the Senate where he tries to get people to come. And, you know, one of the people who who comes is Senator Cory Booker, who's a Democrat from New Jersey, very liberal, ran for president uh, in 2020, I believe, or maybe it was 2016. I can't remember. He didn't go very far. Um, this was Cory Booker today on Tim Scott. You have a friendship with Senator Tim Scott. You've yes. talked about someone you've said you loved. I, look, I have friendships with Tim Scott, Dan Sullivan. I can go through a lot of Republicans that I've formed legitimately good friendships here. And that's the way you get things done. It's not by vilifying or demonizing people you disagree with, but finding cords of common humanity. And Tim is a guy that has, we have a lot of shared life experiences. Two big, bald, black guys growing up in America have had similar experiences that are bad, run-ins with police officers and Similar experiences are good growing up in really good black churches. What should people who are intrigued by his presidential aspirations, shall we call them, know about him? I mean, you know him on a personal level. 
I think that as I look at this Republican field, he may be one of those people that is underestimated. Cory Booker is right. Now, now let me, I want you to pay attention. This is a very left-wing Democrat, Cory Booker, praising his friend. He called him friend, Tim Scott. And they are friends. I've heard Tim Scott say the same thing in person about Cory Booker. People who disagree profoundly on a lot of things politically. But something that I think you will be, we will benefit from with Tim Scott in this race is how positive he is and how he very much is about choosing hope, creating unity. I hope that's what his book's called. I hope that that doesn't get torn apart with the political, you know, the presidential run. And I think that Cory Booker is right. Of all the people running for president, of the people who you don't think have a chance, right? We would say probably President Biden will be the candidate. I wouldn't say that because I think he's not. It's a whole nother thing. Um, but if he is, okay, he has a chance to get reelected. Could be Donald Trump. That's what a lot of people think. He could get reelected. Otherwise, it's probably Ron DeSantis. That's what people would say. That's what the polls would say today. But if there's another person, other than our good friend Larry Elder, who also is running for president, another person is Tim Scott. And I promise you, if his campaign is like his book, it's going to be hard for people to not take a serious look at his candidacy. In fact, I think one of the greatest things about that book, I usually get audiobooks if I can, because I can listen to them on my commute. And the audiobook, you know, it's often in the voice of the author. Sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's a terrible thing. Sometimes the author is just not very good at reading it, right? You wish they would have hired, you know, some Shakespearean actor to just read it. He reads his own, and it's fine. It's good. But his mom wrote the foreword in that book. And I think when you read the book, the hardcover, and you read the foreword, it's his mom, and you can tell that she's proud, and you can tell, you know, she's very proud of her son and all of that in the foreword. But when you hear his mom read it, it's incredible because you hear her smiling. You hear how proud she is of her son. And it's powerful. It's, I think it was my favorite part of that book. Anyway, the book's called America, A Redemption Story. We're not advertising it. Nobody's getting paid. I'm just telling you because he's running for president. He'll probably have an official announcement next week. We'll play it. But, you know, the idea of unity, is that something you want from a presidential candidate? Is that something that, you know, whichever party you're in, however you plan to vote, is bringing us together the number one priority? Should that be the number one priority for who's running? Is that possible? What do you think? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I got to take a break. I'll come back for your call. Cheryl, I see your call. I'll get your call and others as the Pastor Scott Show continues on Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. But don't you see what it means to be, to receive rights as children of God? You're not on the spectrum. You're off the spectrum. Your identity is received, not achieved. Your identity uh, is rooted in God's love for you, in God, and the fact that God is now your father, not your boss, not, not just your boss, not just your king. He is, though, that, but he's your father. And there's an unconditionality, as it were, to his regard for you. And that is so different than any other kind of identity. So you get a new identity, and it's remarkable. And it's nothing like anything that you've ever had before. That was Pastor Tim Keller, who passed away today. Such a great statement there. I thought, you know, that, uh, you know, your identity is not something that you earned. It's something that you received. 
And that's the identity you have in Christ. That is the gospel right there. That's such a great way of putting it. You know, we're living in this time when we are all very much about ourselves, right? And what I can build, what I can identify as, what my identity is, whatever, whether that's as, you know, your career or some other way you're, you're giving your identity out there. In our Christian faith, your identity is in Christ. He gives it to you. You are a child of God. That's, that is where your identity is. And whenever we try to make our own identity something else, Whenever, you know, I could do it. I could say, well, I'm a radio host, or I'm a pastor, or I'm a father even. I can do all kinds of things to sort of elevate, you know, and I am all of those things. But without God, I'm none of that matters. You know, what am I doing as a radio host or as a father or as a pastor or anything else I'm doing? You know, what am I doing that is benefiting the kingdom of God? That is about why God put me in these places. That's how what we should all ask ourselves and that's the identity we have in Christ. It's such a powerful thing. Anyway, he passed away. Uh, this is Open Line Friday. He went to go be with Jesus. He was excited about it. Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. Give me a call, 888-528-2557. Uh, Sherelle, is it Sherelle or Cheryl in Inglewood? Yeah, Sherelle. Hi, Sherelle. How are you today? Yeah, hi, Pastor Scott. Yes, I was calling because... I saw an article where it turns out that this report uh, allegations that vets were kicked out of a hotel are actually false. The um, woman that um, I guess this mm. was, was Sharon Tony Finch. It turned out that she lied, and it said that when she was pressed for information, she wasn't able to pro- provide financial information to back up what she was saying. And then she, they asked why she lied, and she said she was just trying to help the veterans. So I just thought. Is this the is this the story, Sherelle, that was that uh, from New York where they said that uh, veterans were removed, homeless veterans were removed from a yes. hotel and replaced by uh, uh, migrants who came over the border? Yes, migrants. Yes. Yeah, that story turns out to be false and made up. Is that correct? Yes, it was actually false, and there was information about how they actually had some type of. Hold on, I can't hear you too well. Can you speak closer to the mic? Okay, they also said that they had people come and they wanted them to pose as veterans. Oh, yeah, it was not even actual veterans. Yeah, they were actually homeless people that they had promised, I guess, $200 in liquor for them to actually show up you know, to say that they were veterans. Yeah. So I just thought it wasn't just about the fact that she lied, but that they were trying to make it, you know, make this true. So I thought that was very interesting. I think it's interesting. And thank you for uh, saying that. I saw that story briefly right before we came on the air today. Um, You know, that got, that was a story that made national news, you know, in the crisis of things going on the border. But somebody, if that story is true, decided to hire homeless people to pretend to be veterans getting kicked out of the hotel and they were not actually in the hotel. You know, we have to be, uh, Sherelle, thank you for bringing that to our attention because those things happen. Those are political uh, shenanigans, but they're, they're a lot worse than shenanigans. It's not a good enough word, you know, for what that is. And it happens all the time. You got to question um, what happens. And it did seem like an odd story, right? And when you reflect back on it, like they kicked out homeless people to put other homeless people in there. Did they really do that? Um, turns out they didn't. Uh, Sherelle, thanks for bringing that to our attention. That's much better, really, than the uh, than the uh, absurdity of the week. I hadn't quite got into that story. Uh, maybe next week we'll see. I don't want to promise because I got to remember to do it. But 
you know, there are political games that both sides play where what happens is, is somebody, you know, will uh, break into their opponent's campaign headquarters and then or their own their own campaign headquarters. This happened at a race in uh, San Diego a couple of years ago. They broke into their own campaign headquarters and burned it down and then, then came out and did a press conference and accused their opponent of doing it. But they did it themselves. And you got to be careful, you know, about that. There are games that people play, particularly in this media world, that um, are – it's not new, but news travels fast in the new West. And it's something that's often doesn't get corrected or by the time it comes out that something was there, you forgot about it. 888-528-2557 is the number. Another reason, by the way, to trust the Lord – and be skeptical and other things. Dan in Rancho Santa Margarita, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, how you doing? I'm good, Dan. What, what, um, go I, ahead. I have uh, just discovered Instagram uh, recently. Oh, I'm sorry. I got an account there. Sorry. And I've been looking through it, and I'm very disturbed at what I see. I've been going to some of the atheist sites mm-hmm. and some of the... Uh, the ex-evangelicals sites, and I'm fairly informed. I read the paper. I listen to radio. I watch the television news every night. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty up on, on, on things, but I was shocked at the pure hatred and the vitriol that's going on on some of those sites. It's, it's, it's very disturbing. And I hope that people will pay attention and look some of these up and then follow their followers and look up more sites and just see how much hatred and vitriol there is. And, well, you know, as we come, a lot of us are thinking we're getting into the end of the days, and, you know, you hear about persecution and all that. Well, if you read this, and if these guys ever got control of government or anything else, they were the one, They would be the ones that would stab you in the neck, and some of their beliefs are so irrational about Christians, the way they stereotype them. There seems to be trauma. A lot of them seem to be LGBTQ. A lot of them seem to suffer trauma, and I don't know if that was molestation or what, but it's real. It's massive. It's very real. And um, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Dan, you know, you're you're walking into something that I think a lot of people listening have already seen. You know, the social media phenomenon has brought out a lot of stuff, and actually, you know, I don't really recommend people go into it, right? It's It's something that harms the viewer. Uh, there is so much in there. You have to, at least you have to know what you're getting into, right? It's that this is a tool that can be used to connect with your friends and share pictures and share your life. And there's a positive way to use it, but there's also a very hateful and angry way to use all of social media. It's there. And, you know, but, but the way you're looking at it, Dan, I think if you're going to look at it, you need to have compassion for the people that you're seeing, because you're right. You're seeing young people in particular with open wounds sharing about their life. Uh, and it's scary. The The suicide rate for young people is jumping enormously, and you see the pain. And you see so much. And they're, the things that they're sharing are often not true, and they're helping sort of the narrative that is leading them to the depression uh, that they're in. Right. Um, but well, that's, the hate and the bitterness is yeah. destroying them. Uh, you can see the hate. It's visual. Yeah, it's it's, just, it's there. You see this. You see some uh, response they get from Christians that sometimes is super good, but also sometimes from Christians that's angry and bitter back. And we shouldn't engage right. in that. We should be because I have seen some positive things where Christians have actually responded super well. 
to some people where they have been actually moved. And that should be the response, right? The response. It should be. Yeah. Uh, so be very Everything careful on there. I'm almost out of time here, Dan, but be very careful, anybody on, and thanks for calling Dan uh, today. Be very careful on your social media and be aware that for whatever reason, people feel comfortable uh, doing two things. They feel comfortable sharing just the most bitter and angry things, and Christians are are guilty of that. You know, I often check the profile, and I'm praying to God that it doesn't say Christian, and then there it is, and they're cussing somebody out. Um but if you're going to be on there, you can offer words of help. We were talking about Proverbs a while ago. The Proverbs teach us so much about the language we use and how healing the tongue can be, meaning the words we use. It can cause harm. It can kill somebody, lead to their death, but it also can build them up. As believers, that's what we're called to do with our, our mouth and, and also the tips of our fingers as we type into our social media. Uh, super important. And you know what Dan has discovered is, you know, a world where you really get an insight into what people are thinking. And as Christians, you got to know that. All right, we're almost out of time. I was going to do the, um, a, a really good absurdity of the week, but I think Sherelle's call, uh, and I'll go into that story a little bit later, but the idea that they put fake homeless people in a hotel to kick them out, pretend to be veterans, just to make a political statement about is absolutely absurd. Trust me, that stuff happens in politics a lot. Whenever you hear a story about some terrible thing somebody did, at least in the back of your mind, think, you know, maybe that's true. But wait, sometimes you discover that it's not. We need to be wise. If there's anything we get out of our show today, be wise. Go read the Proverbs. Have a great weekend. Trust the Lord, everybody. Pastor Scott show every day, 3 to 5. I'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.